In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pathfinder Adventure Overview panel. Um, we have a uh, great lineup of discussion for you about all the adventure opportunity that we have for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, if you want to go ahead and reintroduce ourselves, I am Ron Lundin. I am a, uh, the developer here at Paizo. I primarily work on the, the Pathfinder Adventure Path line. And Adam. Hi, I'm Adam Daigle. I am the Director of Game Development. I um, make sure that all the developers have what they need and come up with rad ideas so y'all can have fun. <laughs> and Linda. Hi, I'm Linda Zayas Palmer, the Organized Play Managing Developer. I manage logistics for the Pathfinder Society, Starfinder Society, and Pathfinder Adventure Card Society programs, and also do some development for all three of those. Alrighty, and Mike. Uh, I'm Michael Sayre. I'm the Pathfinder Society developer at Paizo, so I do the outlining, uh, planning, and a lot of the development work on the Pathfinder Society line specifically. Alrighty. Great. We are here to talk about adventures. What I think we're going to do is give a quick overview, each of us, for some of the exciting standalone adventure opportunities that we have, and then we'll go into a Q&A at the end. So if you've got questions about any of this, uh, please uh, get those ready and we can talk. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about, the adventure I'm very excited about because I wrote it and I'm going to talk about it instead of Adam who developed it. I will talk about the slithering if we can get the first slide up. I am very excited about the uh, the slithering who which comes out today. This is the uh, the the first day of the slithering being released. Um, I'm excited about this really for two reasons. First, I am excited to be visiting an area that we have not had a chance to see before, specifically the city of Kibwe, a cosmopolitan trade city, in the Mwangi Expanse sort of our version of uh, fantasy Africa with people from a lot of different countries all coming together. Uh, the, the mix of people uh, in this particular adventure is important because the city of Kibwe has an awful lot of non-humans in it. There are, you know, gnomes and elves and lizard folk, all kinds of people. That turns out to be a really good thing in the course of this adventure because a terrible curse strikes the city and specifically affects the humans of the city, uh, turning them into monstrous oozes. This is a terrible fate for humans, and the heroes that have a chance to do something about it uh, all have to be drawn from those who aren't afflicted by the curse. That is, non-humans have to be able to, to investigate, solve the problem, save the day. So we have generally been exceptionally wide open on who gets to play what kinds of characters in the adventures that we do. And this is one of the first times we've, we've put a couple of limits on that. There are a, and we've done some in the past. I know we've had the uh, Hell's Vengeance adventure path where everybody is encouraged to play evil characters. This one takes a very different tack. This adventure, everyone must play, should play, non-human characters. So this is a great place for showing off a lot of the new ancestries in the advanced players guide that we've come out with. Rat folk, cat folk, uh, Iruxi that were in 
um, previous Lost Omen products, a lot of opportunity to really kind of take a spin for non-human characters and see what they can do. Uh, it's also slightly higher level than some of the things that we've come out with in second edition. This adventure starts you at fifth level and will take you through to about eighth level by the time that you're done. So that that's that's not accidental. Uh, if in our game you get to choose one of your ancestry feats at first level, and then you choose another one to become you know, more involved in the ancestry you are at fifth level. And so this really lets people play this game showcasing the types of different ancestries they can be. Um, there's an awful lot of fun to write, awful lot of fun to, uh, to finally see out with its associated flip mat. And it's, uh, uh, it's uh, fun to be able to do. I think we've done plenty of flip mats. This is the first one, first flip mat we've ever done at Paizo that I designed. And it's kind of cool. I started out with, all right, what's going to make a neat adventure location and then had to dial way back. Ooh, but, but what's going to fit precisely on this kind of map that we do and still get all of the adventure awesomeness on two sides of that. Um, it was a lot of fun. A couple of people I know that have already seen it uh, um, have been commenting, you know, how much they love having something different uh, to like this to be able to play. Um, but that's the, that's the overview of the slithering. I don't know if, uh, if Adam, you had anything you wanted to add being the development um, uh, Nothing more than it's always a delight to develop uh, adventures that you write. Um, it's you, you, you know your craft, and so a lot of times my development is just you know going through and fixing fixing minor things, and then you know jokingly calling you out on some of your name choices. But that's, uh, that's yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, one thing that this has, I want to show the next slide. Uh, a lot of our adventures, our adventure paths, specifically the adventures that we've started doing that are they're standalone, have what's called a toolbox at the back. It's a bunch of new items, new monsters, that kind of thing for the adventure. Um, this one has an archetype that is specifically designed for people who have had an unpleasant encounter with oozes. Um, your, your, maybe your, your flesh is just a little bit looser on your bones or your mind has been somehow touched or changed because of uh, either experimentations that you've been involved with or encounters you've had with gross oozes along the way that's been part of the fun for me is to be really weird about all right what's you know what what sort of powers were people not be expecting to get from any kind of archetype that they've seen before that i can put into this uh this this ooze touched archetype that we provide here um already i think with that let's uh let's move along i think adam will have you talk about the next product <clears throat> All right, so um, yeah, the next thing that we're gonna be talking about is Troubles in Otari. Um, this is a standalone adventure, but it's actually three adventures. Um, it's an anthology that has, um, actually let's kick to the next, there we go, all right. Um, so yeah, um, the first adventure starts you at second level. The second adventure you can start for third level and the third one is for fourth level. So this is built to be used for both the beginner box and for the core rules because um, the beginner box and the core rules are pretty much the exact same thing except for a lot of things have been stripped out so there's fewer choices so you don't have choice paralysis. Um, and then a few things have been simplified. Um, so the if you play through the beginner box adventure you'll have your character reach second level, which is perfect to move straight into Troubles, of Otari, and Troubles in Otari. 
Now, the beginner box only covers levels one through three. So in this, we also have some bonus material for people coming from the beginner box that allows them to level their characters up to level four so they can play through the third adventure in this anthology. Um, <clears throat> I've kind of always saw, saw this as like a bridge between the beginner box and the core rules. Like if someone bought the beginner box and just consumed all that material and wanted something else, then they could get this adventure. That was one of the criticisms that we actually had for the first beginner box is just like, okay, you've got the box, but then you have to jump straight into this big 600 page book. You know, we, we need something in the middle. We need more material for the beginner box. And that's one of the things that Troubles in Otari provides while also providing just a plain old good standalone adventure anthology for people who have been, you know, playing Pathfinder since last year when it released here at Gen Con. Um, so where am I at? Yeah, and so for people who are running it, um, since some of the rules are slightly different between the beginner box and the core rules, um, I put in the intro a full monster ref that references page numbers of where you can find them in the hardcover bestiary if you wanted to run it with the core rules instead of just the beginner box. Um, also, this takes place in Otari, which is one of the featured cities in the beginner box, and it's also the you know main town for the Abomination Vaults uh, adventure path that's coming out in January following. Um, so this is kind of like multiple products all tying into the same area so we can provide something really familiar, a familiar jumping off point to people that are like just getting into Pathfinder. But since it's all a new area, it's also providing completely new lore for people who have been you know, following our world for 10, 12 years now. Um, that's is pretty much what I have to say for it now, unless people have questions at the end of all of this. But so let's go ahead and throw up that last slide so we can see what a nice little fight looks like in <laughs> Troubles of Atari. Yeah, so one of the, I, I do have one more thing. Um, one of the things that I, whenever outlining this, I wanted to kind of highlight to new GMs a lot of different types of play style. So the first um, adventure in this anthology is you've, already done some work when you're playing through the beginner box adventure. Um, and so people in town know you and someone approaches you and is like, hey, I've got this old fish camp down the coast and you know, and adventurers need a base of operations. I'm not using it anymore. Since you helped me out, if you go clear it out, you can have the fish camp. So it's your classic like clear out and get a base type adventure. And then the second adventure, it's um, there's a lot of shifty things going around in, in the hinterlands around the town. And so various people in town hire you to do different jobs. And it's a very much a sandbox adventure to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to show GMs how to run sandbox adventures and you know let them experience that, con that type of content if they've never have before. And then the third adventure is just very dungeony, but with the spice of puzzles. Um, and so it's got, yeah, just dungeons plus puzzles, which is, you know, real classic dungeon crawling type adventures. Um, and these three adventures or yeah, these three small adventures were written by Liz Liddell, Ron Lundine and Jason Keeley. And they did an awesome job with it. Yeah, that's uh, I think this might be the first time that I've heard you bring up the fish camp in the first one without Liz expressing in all caps, fish camp, which for some reason was her very big reason for wanting to claim that one. And anytime we talked about it, fish camp in all caps. So, uh, and spoilers, um, 
this comes with a flip mat and one side of that flip mat is said fish camp exclamation point <laughs> very I exciting think, um i think liz would appreciate ron that even though she's not here you made sure that her voice was heard <laughs> particularly fish camp Alrighty, uh alrighty, that is awesome uh linda so let's have you kick in with uh, all of the different adventure opportunities. I mean, we so so far, I have talked about one adventure, and Adam has talked about one adventure that's kind of three adventures, but we're not talking about very many. And so now it's your turn to totally blow the lid off of the adventure opportunities we have for people. Well, I mean, we have a limited amount of time on this panel, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm going to have to speak in, in somewhat more broad strokes. Um but I will go into a little more about what we've got, uh, what we've got coming out right now, what you can play right now at Gen Con. Um, we've got uh, Lightning Strikes Stars Fall. If you want to go out into the wastelands of Numeria and dodge toxic sludge and uh, robot laser beams. Um, we've got uh, Grim Symphony. If you want to engage in a good old classic Gothic horror adventure, uh, complete with abandoned manners and nefarious doctors. We've got um, our, if I can get that next slide for me, please, the one with the King and Thorns. Uh, the King and Thorns is the interactive special for this Gen Con, where we're really wrapping down um, that first year and kicking off the next year. And uh, really the first year of Pathfinder Society had a strong theme about, okay, you know what? At the end of first edition, we had this grand battle against the Whispering Tyrant's forces and the, the society was really in a place where they were looking to, to rebuild, to, to reform and to get back to, okay, what really is the Pathfinder Society? We had a lot of exploration of the Pathfinder Society's history with the exploits of some of its famous founders like Dervin Guest, Selmius Foster, Grigaro Voth and Corinna Napsenar. And this one really, so we, and we found out a lot of things uh, throughout the season about what they've been up to and really made an enemy of this powerful figure that you'll see on the cover here, this kind of mantis-like, extremely malevolent fae. And I think it's really exciting to have a, a fae as a villain because we've done a lot of adventures where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're gonna punch the, you're gonna punch the demons or you're gonna punch the undead or things like that. But with the Fae, there's a lot of room to get into um, both the sort of more whimsical side of fairy tales and also that more dark fairy tale aesthetic. So you'll see a blend of those different kinds of encounters if you participate in the King of Thorns here this weekend. Um, We've also got at Gen Con uh, Citadel of Corruption, which is really what kicks off our big theme for year two. Year two is about rolling back the edges of the map and going to places that really haven't been explored that much, either places in the world where there isn't as much that's been said about them and people don't necessarily know what's going on, and even places where really Paizo hasn't done pretty much anything there at all. So Iobaria, a a land that is just over the mountains, just off the eastern edge of that inner sea map is where we're going to be um, having a big focus. So in Citadel of Corruption, the Pathfinders played by you are charged with being there for the founding of a new lodge. And of course, you know, 
you're you're all called there for a founding of a new lodge so everything's gonna go just great nobody's gonna run into any terrible problems you're not gonna uncover any buried ancient evils that cause the that throw the entire expedition into chaos that's definitely not gonna happen because you know it's just a basic inauguration of a new lodge um yeah, so uh, so the Pathfinders are really going to, you're going to be there right on the ground as this new lodge gets started out. We've got a uh, another new lodge founding in our second uh, scenario for year two, Mountain of Sea and Sky, which takes you over to, uh, takes you over to Minkai and lets you found a new lodge there. And one of the things that I think is really cool about this adventure is that this adventure really provides a lot of opportunities to get into the to get into sort of the lore and the setting of the location and a lot of encounters that where the answer is uh where the answer is a lot more social than uh than combat based but there's still a lot of ways to approach it i mean i don't i i don't want to give spoilers but uh i i remember um when i was working on this adventure i just sent a message to i, I sent a message to the author to just like you know what this scenario just made me happy so it, it, it's awesome and and I love it. Uh, when we look at what's uh, what's coming up for our scenarios after that, uh, I think it's time to announce something that hasn't come up in any of the product pages, one of the places that we're going to be going out to, which is Arcadia. We, Luis Loza is the author for A Path of Kings, which is going to be taking us to Arcadia in September. So this, as far as I know, is going to be the first adventure that Paizo has ever written that's been set on an entire continent. So you'll get to see a firsthand look from an Arcadian expert. But we've got, so we've got these scenarios and we've got a couple of quests as well that are coming out here. We've got the, uh, we've got Putrid Seeds, a good old fashioned case of uh, a zombie mystery. We've got um, Falcon's Descent, where you can go in and punch some slavers because who doesn't like punching slavers? But our short adventures are really moving in a different direction now. And uh, I think that it would be good to turn this over to, to Mike to talk about what we're doing with short adventures, what we're doing with these new adventures called bounties. Because Mike, you were really the one who pioneered and championed the idea of bounties and also have been instrumental in making sure that they come to life. <laughs> So instrumental, I wrote the first one myself. <laughs> so what, the next that's, slide here for Mike? Pretty instrumental, I, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, so bounties uh, are kind of a solution to a problem that uh, has been identified by our company for a really long time, which is that we make this really great game, but one of the aspects of this game that is so great is that it has a lot of moving pieces to it that allow you to interact with the game in a lot of ways and create characters who are really original and interesting. But this can be a lot for example, a game store employee to figure out in 30 minutes and then sit down and run a game for, you know, a table of four to six people. And so bounties in, uh, in one part are a solution to that. They're a much simpler adventure. They only cover a single level range. Normally in Pathfinder society, when we make an adventure, since it's, you know, a big open world, uh, you know, essentially a real world MMO that anybody can play and participate in, we need to be able to accommodate uh, much more non-standard tables. For these bounties, though, we're bringing that in a little bit. The first batch of them are all going to be level one adventures. 
Uh, and the first one, The White Fang Worm, uh, written by me, uh, is going to also continue our theme of kind of really looking at the edges of our map and, uh, and where we've gone before. It's going to be up on the crown of the world, which is, you know, kind of the northernmost continent uh, in our world of Galarian. Um, the people who live there are, uh, you know, much more um, indigenous coded, but also Viking uh, kind of coded a little bit as well. So it's a very kind of interesting, different uh, cultural look. And it's got some really fun uh, skill challenges. Without getting too spoiling, one of our editors messaged me and was like, I'm so excited to run this and do some ice bowling with the players. So uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that's really fun. And, uh, and, and Linda let me get a little crazy with it, but then also fixed the parts where I got too crazy, which is a very standard part of our relationship because I will go right up to the line and then keep on going if somebody doesn't stop me and make me back up. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the list of what scenarios, the general themes we're going to have for year two, it's pretty much just reads like a list of awesome ideas by Mike Sayre. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and, and some of these ideas also uh, are ones that uh, I intentionally used to bring in some really strong authors who weren't sure if they had time to contribute to the line so that we had a nice solid platform here in Gen Con in the following months. Uh, the second of the bounties that's going to be uh, coming out next month is Blood of the Beautiful, uh, where a Druman alpaca farmer has had some sort of nocturnal predator draining the blood out of his prized herd and then disappearing into the night. And so the PCs are hired to track it down and put an end to it before it kills uh, Majesty, the most beautiful and prized of his many alpacas, uh, which Thurston Hillman could not say no to. I just <laughs> gave him everything he could possibly want in an adventure and was like, I'll publish it if you write it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the reasons that we wanted these first two entries to be really strong examples of what a bounty is, is because they also serve a really important uh, purpose for us as developers and Paizo as a company, and that is they provide a very accessible starting point for new authors to come in and write for Paizo. And we're really focusing on bringing in authors who either don't have a lot of exposure maybe don't have any exposure at all. Uh, this couples with our goal to push to the edges of our world map and go into parts of the world we haven't explored before and that we're also looking for authors with worldviews that maybe don't necessarily get as much traction, who come from cultures that are maybe marginalized elsewhere and stuff. So these are gonna be a great tool, not just to get people in fast, get them playing with a nice, simple, accessible thing, but they're gonna be something that are going to allow us to really spread Galarian and Paizo to ever larger markets of people and bring in an ever more diverse cast of writers to help create with us. And that's something that I'm super, super excited about. Yeah, that's fun. One thing I had a, uh, a friend of mine observe to me, he was really excited to see so much of what's coming up being off the edges of the map, so to speak, that we were in for first edition. Linda and, and Michael, you both talked about that. But, but one thing that he observed to me, which, which took me a minute to realize what he was getting at, is that it also makes it easier for players to enter. He says, if I see something's going on in Cheliax, yeah, I, haven't there been a bunch of adventure paths there? Or if something's going on in Absalom, 
hasn't there been so much Pathfinder Society going there that I, I don't even know anything about a Silent Tide or a Grandmaster Torch or anything like that. But as soon as you say, hey, we're putting this thing kind of at the at the edge of the world, at the edge of the known map, he said, my attitude is that's a thing I can grab. And I don't feel like I need to have this, uh, any sort of weighty foreknowledge to really appreciate it. So I think that not only the new rules that we have are letting people who are first experiencing Pathfinder second edition come in and learn the rules and learn the game, but uh, you're also really serving to help these people bring in and learn about the world uh, in, in a way that, that really doesn't have any knowledge barriers of entry, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted to pass along his compliment with that kind of design. Well, well thank you. <laughs> All righty. I was also going to throw out, oh, sorry, Ron, I talked nope, over here. Nope, go ahead. Real quick. Linda mentioned Grim Symphony coming up. That was written by Eleanor, who is not just an amazing uh, developer at Paizo, but also one of my favorite adventure authors. I gave her a really crazy idea that most of the people in the development department didn't think I would actually get James Jacobs to approve. Cause I was <laughs> like, I'm going to make an adventure inspired by Phantom of the Opera and Monster Mash. And it's going to be the coolest thing anybody has ever seen. <laughs> and then I got Eleanor's turnover and I was immediately like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That, that is no surprise to me. I've had people who say, oh, Ron, I really look up to you in your adventure writing. I'm like, well, who do I look up to? Eleanor Farron, frankly. Um, all right. I think we can turn for this last half of this. Maybe we'll turn to Q&A um, and kind of riff off of some of these. I did see, so if you've got a uh, Q, if you've got any questions for us, go ahead and put them in the Twitch chat. I did see one up earlier when I was chatting about the slithering that said, hey, what about, if you can't be humans, what about half-elves and half-orcs? Uh, we put a sidebar in the adventure to address that. It's specifically, well, technically they're humans under the rules. They have the human trait and so ought be prohibited by the story that, that we've put out that we intend to tell. That said, anything that we're giving out for these adventures, and it's particularly the case in contained adventures like this, where somebody wants to give, maybe give, give things a try. So if it's one thing, it's something that you want to permit half orcs, half elves, or humans that have one of the versatile heritages that are in the advanced player's guide. I mean, it's your world to run with. You can absolutely say, well, this affects sort of humans that that aren't half elves or half orcs or, or uh, other versatile heritages. If what, if you've got somebody that really wants to play a human dump here, you got somebody that, you know, what they really love playing is half orcs and really want to dig into that. Especially if one of the things they want to do is, uh, is touch on the, the way that orcs are seen differently in the Mwangi expanse and thus in Kibwe. I, we, we don't want to get in the way of people playing what it is they want. So that's, uh, that's something you can do. You can certainly, if somebody is only comfortable playing humans, you can certainly say, hey, for some, some reason, you happen to be immune to the slithering. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, that you're able to play. So we do intend to tell the story in a way that's a little bit more restrictive than usual, but we don't want to put up barriers that make it unplayable for anybody. We encourage people to work around that. Ron, this is also like a good point to kind of note though that in Galarian, we have some really interesting uh, Elven ethnicities and, and, and heritages and that we also have in the APG here. 
an entire orc ancestry write-up. So if you like half-elves and half-orcs, definitely leave that on the table. But this might also be a fun opportunity to dig a little deeper into the elf and orc side of the cultures that are available in our world. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I did put together that didn't make it into the final product were four pre-generated characters to be able to play in this adventure. And we were able to get them up on the, the web. I'm not, they are actually up, aren't they, Adam? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, went excellent. Up like two weeks ago. Okay, perfect. Whew, whew. Anyway, so I was kind of excited about the personalities of this daring catfolk swashbuckler and this wise lizard folk oracle and things like that using the, uh, uh, not only the uh, ancestries, but also the classes that came out of the uh, advanced player's guide. So there is a swashbuckler, an oracle, an investigator, and a witch that you can uh, try to take for a spin if you don't have fifth level characters in the same, sort of in the right range. Uh, we've, got, we've got you covered on that to be able to make this adventure work. Alrighty, we do have uh, an important announcement I wanted to pass along that we have throughout Gen Con uh, at paizo.com, you can take 20% off a single order if you use the code GENCON2020 at checkout. Uh, so all this stuff that we're talking about, if it piques your interest, you want to give it a try, you want to go get it right now, uh, you can get it at a discount. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the questions we have here, uh, you made a wonderful transition at the end of Pathfinder First Edition in turning dark folk into a less antagonistic, into less antagonistic, making them into their own society, the Caligny. Any idea if those are coming into Second Edition anytime soon as a player race? Um, we, we don't have any announcements along those lines about being able to play Caligny, but this does bring in a really important point. I think we've, we've worked really hard, especially in the opportunity that the transition between first edition Pathfinder and second edition Pathfinder gave us is to get away from, uh, tropes that pigeonhole peoples into certain types. Um, we don't have savage and barbaric lizard folk for an example right we've got Iruxi that what the lizard folk call themselves and uh and they've got sort of a wide gamut of different types of of um beliefs cultures that they've got that you can you can explore as a player or that if you're a GM you can use as an adventure um I was particularly championing the championing that change you mentioned from uh dark folk to the Caligny because calling any group of people dark folk ew um so yeah i don't know i we have nothing to announce about the Kaligni becoming uh playable but that type of move we've made you can expect to see more of that from us um another question from jay bowman 12,000. if these are meant in part as player onboarding adventures do traditional rpg setups work better for them I'm considering this in comparison to having one-off, off-the-walls adventures that may not fit the theme of other adventures in a series. How, ooh, how you approach, that's a good question. How you approach the different types of adventures we have um, comes up a lot, I think, in Pathfinder Society and sort mm -hmm. of the approach there. Linda, do you mind taking a crack at that? I mean, we have a wide variety of scenarios that we that we create. And one of the things that I really like about the scenario model, the four or five hour adventure, is that we we can tell stories that take a different tack, that go off the wall, that try something different. I'm not sure if this question is specifically uh, addressed more toward the, the uh, philosophy of bounties, though. 
or if it's addressed more toward the scenarios as a whole. As far Is as it, getting in in a non-traditional way, I guess what are some unusual ways to enter these one shots that we're talking about here, these standalone adventures we're talking about here? Um, I mean, one of the things with like bounties and scenarios, right, is long before I worked for Paizo, when I was still, you know, uh, the, the fanboy interviewing Eric at PAX West, you know, back in 2014 to ask what was coming up next, uh, I was still taking uh, organized play scenarios and using them as the oh crap, I've been like just slammed all week. I didn't have time to prepare an adventure and I need something I can run fast and dropping them in. And you could easily do that with any of our Pathfinder Society scenarios, especially these bounties. You could, you know, start the group out in a nice big sandboxy campaign and then Friday night rolls around and you're like, man, I don't want to cancel, but we don't have a lot of time. How can I, you know, kill a couple hours with my friends, grab a bounty that, you know, fits in there. Right now, like I said, they're going to be low levels. So once you get into higher levels, you'll need to look at, you know, maybe the, the longer scenarios or some of these other options to pad that out. But they're, they're very much set up in a way that you can click them into pretty much any existing story with, you know, little to no additional prep you know a scenario those longer ones they usually have a specific tie to the pathfinder society and an npc who you might want to swap out but the bounties are literally bounties they are literally boards with posters on them that the players find in world during the first three paragraphs of the adventure and then the bounty tells them what the deal is right so you can drop that into pretty much anything pretty easily and one of the considerations that we have in all organized play scenarios is that they're intended to be run generally as they're written without modifications. And we know that they're going to be played by all variety of all variety of group compositions. You're not going to have sort of like your, oh yes, I'm the cleric and the rogue and the fighter and the wizard. You're gonna have, you're gonna have times when, you know, four clerics come to the table or when people have a variety of different ways to approach things. So uh, organized play adventures are all written with that in mind to be very flexible for a variety of group compositions and approaches. Okay, and uh, as a follow-up from what you were just talking about, Michael, uh, somebody asked, uh, may, might bounties eventually move beyond level one? Do you have anything to say about that? That exists within the realm of possibilities, but it is not currently something that is on a calendar anywhere. Yeah. Well, especially when tied into the fact that this is uh, the bounties specifically are intentionally very for very short onboarding for new players. Correct. Particularly, I it sort of works against that to be able to say, "Hey, let's get together this one shot." Okay, here are your seventeenth level characters, and now you've got to learn. It. <laughs> yeah. There, there may be a time where there's something where like, hey, we've got more stuff that's, you know, in the vein of like the Otari adventures. And wouldn't it be nice if we had like some third level bounties to help bridge these things? And, and I could see that happening. I doubt we would ever do them much higher level than, you know, maybe one, maybe one, three, five. But even that is we're talking a year down the road before we start mm -hmm. looking at whether that would be something that is going to fit into what we're doing. And I'll note that those are ex also exactly the levels that have pre-generated characters that exist. That's true. So and those are those it's... are the what that's the kind of thing that we we're we're considering. Um, when we speak of levels, I realized that I forgot to mention one of the things that we have uh, coming up for this year of Pathfinder Society, which is that this is going to be 
the first year with uh, level seven to 11 adventures or seven to 10 adventures rather, so that you get to try out um, some much higher level content. Oh, neat. Neat. At any, at any point, there's always those players on the Pathfinder side who are pushing the upper limit. They're like, what's next? What's the highest level next thing? So glad to hear about that. Um, this question, I think, is probably for Linda. You used to accept submissions from random new people via email for the Pathfinder Society. Uh, is there any uh, interest in starting that back up again? Um, we don't have a, a formal open call process right now. Uh, at this time, that's something that we would need to uh, we would need to look into it in more detail. Um, so I think that if you guys are, I, I mean, Adam may be able to speak a little more to what we have sort of generally going on for people who are interested in writing for in writing for us. Um, a lot of times it just comes down to like, I don't think we have a formal process in place. And like speaking of the open call, like I feel like we would need an extra person just to like monitor that because I think the floodgates would super open. Um, here, just speaking of like writing for Paizo in general, which is kind of off topic for all of this, um, Logan recently put out a call on Twitter and got like 400 people or something like that. And he's still kind of combing through all of those responses. And that was like two weeks ago. So, I mean, it takes a lot of time, um, but we're always interested in getting new writers for sure. Excellent. Yeah. Developing our, uh, our bench of writers. Um, uh, Shreyu says, I'm very interested in seeing more of next Jalmeray and Alkenstar from the impossible lands, but there is a dearth of adventure material for those areas. Are there any plans to see more adventures in the impossible lands, maybe with some new and unique culturally appropriate challenges or monsters? Um, yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, yes. We want to have plants yeah. all over the place. <laughs> that that's an area that is of particular interest to a lot of us around the office. Even as I see Michael nodding his head very agreeably to that uh, that question, I think that's something that a lot of us find sort of really fun and interesting. Building building up this sort of unroll the edges of the map. Let's put adventures sort of around where we haven't been before. Makes that region a really really likely uh high, really likely possibility um we we do have a <gasps> i'm unannounced information here but we do have on the schedule at least one scenario this cycle within the next quarter that will be set down in jalmeray revisiting some characters who we introduced during year one, we also went to Jalmeray and we brought in a new NPC who quickly became a fan favorite. She will be reappearing in the Lost Omens Pathfinder Society book, which I will probably talk about more tomorrow on the panel for that book specifically. Uh, I have an AP volume for Agents of Edgewatch that is coming out next month. And guess what? That has a gazetteer on Vudra and a Jalmiri archetype in it. We're doing all kinds of stuff down there in the very near future. <laughs> yep. yep, great. All right. Um, Ezekiru says, anything to show for malevolence or dead God's hand? We have nothing to show, but Adam, you could probably talk a little bit about both of those. Yeah, um, those are both still in flux. Um, uh, dead God's hand is is kind of in that same limbo that the Absalom uh, 
Lost Omens book is. And that is, a, that is an Eric limbo because he uh, is a very busy man. And those are all still being worked on. And Malevolence is being written currently. The super cool thing about Malevolence, aside from the fact that it's James Jacobs writing a uh, horror haunted house adventure, which is just perfect. Um, but this is also coming from the game that he's been playing that started in the office before we all went work from home. And now we're, you know, we play it on Thursday nights over uh, roll 20, but um, which Ron is in that game. And so we've kind of been play testing it while it's being written, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um, I also hope that we finish that part of the adventure before I start developing James's <laughs> adventure, because I really don't want those spoilers. I mean, I can handle the spoilers. I can deal with it. You know, I can separate in character from out of character, but I, I, I personally don't want to experience it by developing his adventure instead of playing through it. Alrighty. Now I know that it's probably a little bit inappropriate when you're developing an adventure to make sure to put in a reference to your own character, Adam. But if you'd like Ooh. to put in a reference to you know, Dolan Jaltero of the Kintargo Jalteros, then that wouldn't be out of line <laughs> because that's not your character. Anyway. <laughs> um, now yeah, I'm imagining it, like you, you, you see an upcoming encounter like, oh, that's nasty. Let's knock it down a few pegs. And then, and then he's running and you're like, well, that's not what it says in the adventure. <laughs> see right here. Or you could find a skeleton that had a signet ring of the Jalteros. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, those are both fun. I will have a lot more to say, I think, about both of those uh, coming up. Uh, uh, Dead God's Hand, as it moves forward along, sort of alongside the Lost Omens Absalom and Malevolence when, when there's more to say about that. Yep. Um, all righty. Uh, somebody asking kind of the opposite of the questions when we've talked about going to the edges of the map. Will we be, uh, Night Trace says, will we be revisiting Andorin anytime soon in society? I loved Liberty's Edge in first edition society, so it might be biased. Um, I think that, I, I, maybe that's a broader question about uh, where within the world, as we've said it, as we've said adventures, might we look forward to visiting? So um, we, we try to hit as many of the different, uh, well, we try to hit every meta region in a year, right? We, we broke these up. We've got the Saga Lands. We've got the Golden Road. We've got, you know, all of these different pieces of the world. And we try to make sure that each year we put at least one pin in each of those meta regions. And if we have the ability, then we try to put a pin in each of the, you know, countries that kind of has its own strong self-contained theme, um, but also there's a finite number of adventures we can fit in a year, right? So I think, I think we do actually have an adventure set in Andoran set in this year. I'm not a hundred percent positive. Uh, I was just looking that, that up. That's, uh, that's the quest that just came out, Falcon's Descent. That's right. I, I knew we had something. <laughs> Sweet. So we'll be going to Andoran in, uh, in Falcon's Descent, that quest. And you'll also even get like some fun, uh, Eagle Knights. In fact, the name itself comes from the particular subgroup of Eagle Knights who you're going to kind of team up with during that adventure. Um, and, uh, we'll definitely be going back to Absalom this season. We've got some fun stuff going on there. As Linda already mentioned, we're closing out the year with trips to Ustalov for some nice dark Gothic horror and, uh, Numeria up in the Broken Lands there. So we're definitely, while we're pushing the edges of the map back and we're spending time there, we're not going to abandon the inner sea either. We're still going to be supporting, uh, you know, all of that material because it's, 
what we've published the most stuff on and it's good for people to be able to use their books. <laughs> and on a related note, um, you guys who played in Pathfinder Society in first edition may still have some legacy boons from those from those scenarios in that very last season or two that said, hey, you know, this is going to have some payoff at a later time. So one of the things that we looked at structuring this season is putting in some opportunities for those legacy boons to have payoff for the, the big climactic things that your PCs did in, uh, in first edition. And of course, they're, they're different PCs, but the world has been shaped in some way by the things that, that your characters have done. So these are set up in a way that you certainly don't have to have the context of those previous adventures for them to be fun adventures that make sense and everything all comes together. But there's just this extra little bit that you can get if you have that experience from the from those past scenarios. Excellent, excellent. We've got a couple of questions that aren't aren't really on point for here. More adventure card game we don't have any news about. Starfinder one shots, uh, not our place to say. Adventure Paths we'll be talking about on Sunday in, in quite a bit of detail. So uh, I know I'm gonna be on that panel. Um, a lot of excitement about the bounties concept as bounties. People wanting either Pathfinder approved daggers they could use to stab <laughs> in the papers or the very papers themselves that they could come dramatically rip off the wall to say, I'm gonna go get this bounty. Uh, I will say one of the art assets that we have is the literal bounty poster in the back. So if you buy and download uh, the and a bounty adventure, you can print off the bounty and you can stab it to a wall with a dagger if that's what you want to do. I strongly suggest not doing that at game stores <laughs> without express consent of the store owners and employees, but have some fun with it. <laughs> Uh, and if it's your own wall, be mindful of how you're going to handle the repairs afterwards. <laughs> Watch out for studs and electrical wires. <laughs> um, alrighty. Oh, somebody asked if there's chronicles sheets that are provided for bounties. Yes, mm -hmm. they are. Okay, so they're 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 more they're the successor to quests, sort of in that regard as well. In that they Perfect. actually will give you. Yes. Perfect. Uh, somebody here says. Revisit Akaton in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. <laughs> okay. That's the only thing they did. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, all right. Moving on past that. No, yeah, yeah. I will look dead in the camera and say, yes. And then we'll move on. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, now that... Now that, uh, this is uh, Strayu again, now that orcs have a more developed culture within the changes written for them in second edition between the events surrounding the Whispering Tyrant's return and their entry in the Advanced Player's Guide, what kind of plans can we expect to see implemented regarding adventures with orcs or even other ancestries that have been evolving in the new edition? Now, I'm not sure whether that question is about having them as playable ancestries or about NPCs you interact with, but I think either way might be something that uh, Linda or Mike can opine on. I, I certainly have some insights into that and not just because I was the person who wrote the orc entry for the APG. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, you know, I've always really liked orcs, uh, and when I was working on that orc entry for the APG, one of the big things I did was really, like, tear into our lore and see, like, what have we actually said about orcs and how well has that been portrayed? One of the things that was really interesting was I was like, you know, I've been playing uh, since before Pathfinder even existed, and 
did anybody else know that our orcs have a feudal system? Like they're not, you know, they have these holds, they have figures who are very king-like and stuff. So the long and the short of this is that there is someone who writes and assigns a lot of adventures for Paizo who is very interested in orcs. We've brought uh, some characters in back in first edition. We've got an entire chaotic good orc uh, community in the Burning Suns. We've got really interesting stuff and in all of these characters like they were asking. So the reality is like, yeah, we're totally going to do stuff with orcs going forward. And if you're looking at opportunities to play new ancestries in Pathfinder Society, I'm just going to let people know in case you didn't already see that the achievement point system is up. So you can pick up your own, you can pick up your own ancestry boons and a lot of other boons uh, just by uh, just by playing and GMing Pathfinder Society. You'll earn those credits that you can use to buy the boons that catch your fancy. Correct. Excellent, excellent. Um, I think that our our comments about edges of the map and places we're interested in going uh, have, have struck some interest. Any plans to develop the Mana Wastes and Alkenstar via the adventure modules or the APs that we can talk about? Um, I don't, I mean, from the, from the module and adventure path line, we know you have nothing to announce. I don't know if you have anything specifically going on there, but it certainly certainly is an area that interests a lot of people around the office. So it makes it a lot more likely. The two things that make it likely will go someplace in the adventures is uh, interest among us here in the office and a lot of fan, obvious fan support for it. Those are the two things that are going to be most likely to make sure that we get an adventure set in a, in a particular place or on a particular theme. Alrighty. <laughs> and somebody just typed achievement points all in bold. Those are obviously <laughs> very popular. Alrighty. But I think that does get us to the end of the questions that we have here. So uh, perhaps a quick circle around for any closing thoughts on the adventures. Uh, maybe start with Adam. Um, I'm glad that, you know, with the, with a few bumps, um, I'm glad that we've got the standalone adventures kind of going again, because, you know, towards the end of first edition, it was real spotty whenever that would happen. And I think it's, I think they're really important. Um, it's great to have the one shots that organized play can provide. Um, and it's great to have the adventure paths that people can like spend a year and a half you know, in one long campaign to like fully develop a character. But I think it's also important to have, you know, some games that are, you know, three to five sessions where you can just kind of like do a little bit of leveling, do a little bit of character development, but not be in there for the long haul and, you know, have something that lasts more than a night. So I'm glad that those are back running. And also I, while I have the microphone, um, I'm going to remind people that if you don't have your Pathfinder 2nd Edition material, we've got an awesome Humble Bundle going on right now. Um, there's multiple tiers, and for the $30 tier, which is the highest, um, you still need to pay shipping, um, you can get an actual physical copy of the core rulebook, and uh, proceeds from this go to National Urban League, the Carl Brandon Society, and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, um, all really great charities, and you can even like change your sliders between which group gets what, you know, how much, what percentage of your uh, donations, so, or of your purchase, so that's going to be running for the next few days. So get on that. It's a great deal. And also if you already have the stuff, you can also gift it to your friends. Yeah. 
and I guess anybody who's here because you're interested in sort of the standalone adventures that we have, there are a ton of them in that humble bundle. So it's a lot of a lot of good maps, a lot of good fiction, standalone adventures, and then at the thirty dollar take the rule book itself. It's fantastic. Uh, Linda, anything to add to close us out? I'm really excited about all of the adventure content that we have coming out this next year. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool ideas, and it is always fun to be able to explore off the edges of the map and go into new places. What's your very? So I look forward to I look forward to exploring that with all of you guys and to hearing your feedback about how those games are going for you. All right. What's your very favorite teaser about what's coming up? Well, I think I, I think I said earlier that we're that we're actually going to get to go to Arcadia. Okay. <laughs> very popular. All right, uh, Michael. Final thoughts. Yeah. So, um, you know, one, please play our adventures. We put a lot of love and effort into them. We've sourced amazing voices from all over the world to help us create them, and I think they're very worthwhile. Uh, I think if you know anything about Paizo, you know that our adventures are something that we're very much known for. And uh, without sounding prideful, I think the adventures that are coming up are some of the best adventures we've ever produced. And with the amazing staff that Paizo has, which I am very happy to be a part of, and this is not meant to sound self-congratulatory, <laughs> I think the next batch of adventures are just going to be even better. You know, I, uh, I got to come in and join this company, company at a point in time where it was evolving and changing and, uh, and get to kind of experience that whirlwind. And now that here we are, it's a year into an established edition, Everybody has their feet under them. We've got these huge, amazing books full of options that allow you to make almost any character you can imagine. I'm so excited for what comes next. And if you, uh, if you are looking to connect with fellow players to play Pathfinder Society or our other organized play programs, go to pfschat.com to get connected with our Discord. And we have a lot of really awesome volunteers there who will be excited to help you get started. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we'll sign off. Thank you very much, everybody. And uh, thank you to my fellow panelists. And we will see you throughout the rest of Gen Con. Happy Gen Con, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>no direction networks PaizoCon online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team consisting of jefferson j thacker also known as param ryan costello alexander agunas monica marlowe vanessa hoskins dustin knight and andrew sturtevant for more great pathfinder starfinder and other rpg news reviews podcasts and blogs check out nodirectionpodcast.com